BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Well, she's got a lot of things on her mind to talk about now. She's taking care of her voice so you know that she's not going to shout now. So get your headphones ready to hear what it's all about. No fun, the Jen Kirkman podcast coming at you November 4th, 2020. Now, let me tell you this, that I recorded this episode on Monday, October 26th. If you are coming here to listen to anything to do with the election, you will not hear it. That might be a good thing. That might be exactly what you want. Or you might be like, no, I'm busy celebrating or no, I'm busy lamenting. I only want to talk about it. So... I don't know, save this episode and come back to it another time. I will also give one other bit of, it's certainly not a warning, but this episode is heavy on the listener emails because I've had a lot of topics over the past few weeks that I've asked people to weigh in on. And so this episode might be a little more familiar, uh, a little more inside, a little more, we're a family between me and the regular listeners of seven years. So if you're new and this is your first episode, um, welcome. Maybe check out one from last week or the week before or any other time just to get a sense. I don't think it's going to be that much different, but I just wanted to preface, preface, preface. Anyway, Jen Kirkman, that's me. Who am I? I'm a comedian. I've got two specials on Netflix. I'm in a die alone and I feel fine and just keep living. And so this podcast is not a comedy special. It is not punchline driven. It is not joke for a minute. It's just me being a real person talking about what I'm thinking about things going on in my life, things going on in the world, things going on in my head. It usually leans towards the, you know, nitty gritty no, not nitty gritty. The not the stupid, but you know the uh, this, is this really that important? No, it isn't. And then a lot of times it is. It's I would say more socio political than political. Who cares? What Jen? Just you, you listen. I'm not my job to describe it. Anyway, I'm part of the Misfit Toys podcast collective uh, started by Jimmy Pardo and Matt Belknap of the Never Not Funny podcast. Other podcasts in this collective include. Doug Loves Movies, the aforementioned Never Not Funny, The Todd Glass Show, and Mike Schmidt's The 40-Year-Old Boy. I was just on Doug Loves Movies last week. It came out on Monday, October 26th. In that episode, we talk about movies, we play games, a lot of fun guessing games that you can play along with in your head that Doug has made up for his show. And so you can check out Doug Loves Movies anywhere that you get podcasts. And you can listen to me on it, um, play some movie trivia games, as well as we end up talking about um, Keanu and Ethan Hawke and Winona. And I didn't even lead the discussion that way. It just so happened. It was 
It was real kismet. There's also a Patreon version of this podcast. What it gets you for $5 a month is the video version. And the video version always has extra content. So I've already been talking to my video subscribers for about 20 minutes before I even turned on the audio version for you people. And also once a week, there is an extra 20-minute audio-only bonus episode about something going on in pop culture, celebrity culture, weird news stories, blah, blah, blah. And so you get that for $5 a month. And as the levels go up, you get more and more bonus episodes. And I throw in, you know, random things that I never promised you, but I give them to you anyway, like stand-up sets that I recorded on the road audio style in 2017, 18, 19. So there you go. Enjoy that. I'm not going to be on the road in 2021. So if you want to see my face, I highly recommend the Patreon, patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman. And hey, it's a great way to support someone who is not on tour. So that's that. I said patreon.com slash Jen Kirkman, right? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. I did. So I hope you enjoyed the podcast this week. Well, let's just start right in with the listener emails. I was I was going to talk about one thing. I had a weird thing happen today. I got this um, text. And, uh, you know, COVID is spiking. I, I have a, uh, I found a hairdresser who works outside. Her salon has a whole outside area. She is completely obsessed with not getting COVID. She shelters in place. She doesn't do anything except go from work to home. And she lives, you know, like down the street from the salon. There's no one else in it. It's take your temperature. She's in 5,000 masks. So am I. We're outside. Blah, blah, blah. And she was just touching up some, I've been doing some fun things to my hair color. Anyway, but COVID is spiking back to as bad as it was at the beginning. So I'm, I'm going to re-up my quarantine and really not really do anything. Um, but I am getting tested weekly. So far, it's going great. But anyway, so I'm at the salon and I get this text from a number that I don't recognize and there's no name attached to it. It's not someone in my phone. And they say, hey, I'm getting my hair cut now. Be there shortly. Be like 20 min or so. And I was so confused because I was sitting also in a hairdresser's chair. And I just, it threw me for a minute. And I thought, is someone watching me? Now, I don't know why it went to, (laughs) I always feel like somebody's watching me and I have no privacy. Now that song, okay, let me just pause for a minute. I always thought that song, I know it's not a Michael Jackson song, but isn't Michael Jackson doing that part. I always feel like somebody's watching me. Okay. So that was a hit when I was a kid by a guy named Rockwell. I don't know what else he fucking did, but I could have sworn 1984. So I was 10. I could have sworn. Oh yeah. Okay. So it says Michael Jackson. I think the high pitched voice is Michael Jackson singing, I always feel like somebody's watching me. But the rest of the song is not, because if you hear it, you'll hear it. It's this weird song. Hang on. This guy's real paranoid. All right, hang on one sec. It looks like it's just filmed in someone's apartment in L.A. 
Oh, it's not starting yet. It's a great Halloween song, isn't it? Oh, we already had Halloween. That part is Michael Jackson. I know I don't know why they're like Michael. Can you just sing one lyric and then we'll pretend this and then this other guy's singing the rest? I, I don't really understand. But yeah, Michael Jackson is in this song. Okay, great story, Jen. Glad you broke in for that one. Wow. So this guy says, I'm getting my hair cut now. Be there shortly. Be like 20 minutes or so. And I wrote back, I think you have the wrong number. Now, I don't know why I wrote it as a question mark. because I. But then I started to have that moment of, did I invite someone over? And there's no way I did because I don't have anyone over during COVID. Did I? Did I do? What am I? And then he wrote, it's Tad, dork. And then the woman doing my hair is like, his last name's dork. And I was like, no, he's calling me a dork. It said, it's Tad, dork. So there was no comma i go i don't know anyone named tad and she's like his name is tad dork she's like oh my god what if this is the man you're supposed to marry i'm like i've been married and i'm not supposed to be married to any man thank you um and she's like but his last name's dork i'm like his last name is not dork he's saying it's tad dork i mean do i have to explain every can i have a normal interaction with anybody does everyone have to have moments of stupidity in front of me Anyway, I wrote, I don't know anyone named Tad and I haven't made plans with anyone. Sorry. And then this picture of him in a barber chair and like a hair salon showed up. (laughs) Like, I think it went along with it's Tad. And I wrote, dude, my name is Jen. I don't know you. I'm sorry. And he wrote, oh my OMG, I'm an idiot. (laughs) Ha ha. I totally texted wrong wrong number. Totally ignore me. LOL. I am not on my way over pinky swear. So I didn't write back because we're done here. And then he wrote back again, slightly missed on the area code. I'm not even sure where 310 is. Ha ha, ignore me, unless you have any awesome haircut tips. Now, if I were a dude, I don't think he would have kept writing. But this is clearly like a guy's like, I think I got an in here. And I'm like, you don't. It's a wrong number. We're not flirting. I'm not telling you where 310 is. I'm, I, you already sent me a picture of yourself. It was going very fast. And so I just blocked the number just in case it's a creep a deep that somehow was doing, I don't know, but I was just like, no to this. I could totally see, wouldn't that be the best way if you were a psychopath to get into women's lives? Like, let's say there's two versions of this story. One is he knew who I was and found my number. I doubt that, but let's just say that was one. That that could be one version. Another is he's just randomly dialing phone numbers. There was this thing on Twitter. I remember it was happening. I think even like, I don't remember when anything was anymore. I feel like everything that isn't happening right now or 20 years ago, I'm like, it was the first week of the pandemic. That's what I, I call everything that isn't this second. The first week of the pandemic, but I swear it was. Where people were doing a thing where you would text, you would think of your phone number, you know, 555-1212. 
And then you would text 555-1111 and be like, hey, phone number neighbor, you're one number away from me. And you would see if it turned into some kind of fun conversation, and then you would post your results on Twitter. So I thought, okay, well, what if this guy is doing something like that, and just it's a whole numbers game to him, and he's seeing if women write him back? Because... um. And then being like, oh, my God, well, now that I have the wrong number, let's chat. Where do you live? Oh, my God. And like trying to start some kind of relationship with them. And it doesn't matter if he doesn't live in your city or your state even because you can be phone buddies and you can, you know, start this whole long distance romance. And then he's going to say, oh, I'm going to fly to meet you. And oh, my God, this is so crazy. I can't believe this happened. Meanwhile, it was his plan all along. He's doing it to multiple women. And he's going to fly to where you live and you're going to think it's love at first sight because you've been texting for months and then he wants your bank account number. I'm t- <laughs> Maybe I watched too much love fraud on Showtime, but I'm telling you, this seems like the perfect scam. And I totally got that spidey sense in my stomach that that's what this was. And I don't think it was him trying to... Talk to me, Jen Kirkman, famous comedian. Kidding. But I think it was some kind of like, I don't I don't know. I don't know what that guy was pulling, but don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining. <laughs> also, don't pee on my leg. I don't care what you say. But please tell me it's raining. I could use some rain, right? It's been such a hot summer. Um, so that's that exciting slice of life story. Hot off today's presses of my life. You know, sometimes I just search the name Mark Vicente on Twitter just so I can read people dunking on him. As you know, Mark is the uh, one of the big, big up there members of Nexium. that he was pretty much the star of the docu-series The Vow on HBO. You guys have heard me talk about this the last few weeks. Again, Seduced is the only good documentary about it. It's on Stars. I just watched episode two last night. Oh my God. And Mark was way up in there. And he, I mean, they are showing sides of Keith that are so ridiculous that he's showing that, you know, Keith is acting certain ways in front of the men that he's not in front of the women. So it's even more gross that Mark still continued to fall for this guy and think he was cool. In this episode of Seduced last night, Keith makes some terrible joke about if you make it official with a woman, you can tease her and say, you smell a fish hole. You smell like a fish hole. Get it? Official fish hole. And Mark is like, ha, 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 dying laughing. Because I love how he led me there. Like every, oh, he's just, I, so I read an article that Mark Vicente testified against Keith Ranieri, who by the time you hear this episode, we will know if he's been sentenced uh, for life in prison or not. Keith is in prison without bail right now. He's getting sentenced on October 27th. So anyway, but Mark got full immunity for testifying because Mark was, Mark was making money off all of this and, and was part of it. And he could have spent some time in jail too. So. I know he was indoctrinated into a cult, so it's totally his fault. Ma, 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 ma. 
but I just decided I hate them. And so that's sometimes what I'll do to relieve any election stress. Again, you're like, the election's already happened. God, this episode sucks for that reason. (laughs) Hey, advertisers, want in on a podcast where the host is just saying that it sucks? Anyway, so that's what I do on Twitter to relax. And then I'm on Twitter the other day. And again, sorry, this is sort of an election reference. I I just tweeted last week. I don't get why anyone I don't understand why anyone's trying to get pregnant right now. And I didn't even write right now. I wrote RN because that's like the funny way to write right now. And I meant I mean, technically, the joke was like, I don't understand why anyone would be trying to get pregnant this week. You know, if you're not a Trump supporter. And you're one of these people that wants to flee the country. Well, why complicate things with a pregnancy? Also, the pandemic numbers just went fucking nuts. And, you know, the world just seems like we're in a um, let's hold off for now. Not like you shouldn't bring kids into this world, but like just wait one second and just see what kind of world we're going to have. That's all I meant. Everyone was so pissed. Guess who wasn't pissed? Moms. They're like, it's a fucking joke. There's these people go. Do you know how hard IVF is? Do you? There are certain weeks you have to do that. Oh my, shut up. It's not even people on IVF. It's just like people who want to be know-it-alls. It's all fucking white people. I mean, it's just, they've got nothing to do. And you don't want to hear my opinions on IVF. Oh boy, don't. They're judgmental. They're fucking judgmental. And guess what? Guess why I don't give them? Because they would hurt people. So I keep quiet. But I made a joke. I don't understand why anyone's getting pregnant, RN. It's like silly. People are like, well, if you, you, you're the one that said you don't understand. Then people explaining it to me. You know, a lot of people, blah, blah. And, and I go, what, what is happening? And they go, well, you wrote you don't understand. I go, that's a joke format. It doesn't mean I don't really understand. Ever see a comedian from the 80s? What's up with that? They know what's up with it. I don't understand is code for, I think it's stupid. It's a fucking way to get into a sentence. Jokes on Twitter aren't actual butum ch, ch, butum ch. They're, 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 they're thoughts. They're pithy. They're tweets. You're tweeting your, your thoughts into the universe. Quick little blahs. They're attitudes. Jokes can be so many things. They're not just literal joke structure. Look at look at the way someone wrote it. She wrote RN instead of right now. This this takes it down a level in its seriosity, which I just made up. Is that a word? People don't know context, man, and it's fucking freaking me out. I know that's not the scariest thing going on in our world right now, but it's a scary thing going on in my world if you do what I do for a living. And I don't even think, when I say people are getting more stupid, I'm not implying that these generations coming up are stupid. I think everyone is collectively getting more stupid. And I fucking called it in my special, I'm going to die alone. I said, someday people are just going to start driving cars into each other. Go, what? Well, you're not supposed to drive a car into a person. You didn't tell me. Everything is, everything is, you didn't, you know, you wrote, you didn't understand. I thought you wanted to have a discussion. Why the fuck would I ever want to have a discussion with total strangers on Twitter? Who would enjoy that? Who would enjoy, who has to talk to the public for a living, more of that? I just want to tweet something and have people laugh. 
Or just, oh, so you only want people that agree with you? Yeah. Well, oh, I'm sorry. Do you, what do you want? Do you want to be on a platform with hundreds of thousands of followers and have them attack you for saying you don't understand why someone would get pregnant right now? Or what? That was so, oh, okay. You know, I don't want blind followers like I'm in a cult, but if it's not for you, just fucking move on. Then people oversharing. I just lost a child at the beginning of the pandemic and I am very depressed about it. So yes, I'm trying. I'm like, you know what? You just made a weird comment by a comedian all about you completely overshared on a platform. I think America is having a collective fucking nervous breakdown, but I'm, I, it's not my fault for tweeting that. Everyone handle themselves. My Lord, I know I'm very unsympathetic right now, and that's okay. All right, let's just get into the listener emails. Enough messing around. Hey, there's some new merchandise in the store. So if you don't know about this, I donate 100% of what I get to keep from earnings in my merchandise store that is run by T Public every sale helps an independent designer and they get to keep a portion because they are the ones processing, shipping, designing, housing, everything on their website. And I get a cut of that. And my cut, I donate a hundred percent to a nonprofit called fundthefrontlines.org. And every $25 donated gets a frontline healthcare worker, the PPE they need. We have donated over $3,000 so far. And, uh, October is shaping up to be a pretty good donation month, but there is new holiday merchandise in the store. So go to jenkirkman.com and click shop. And you can also, I guess if you're on Twitter at Jen Kirkman and go to the link in my bio, if you're on my Instagram, which is also at Jen Kirkman, you can go to the link in my bio and there will be, uh, you know, it's one of those link tree links. Once you click into it, there's a million things you can click on, and one of them is my merchandise store, so you can get into it that way. But again, jenkirkman.com, click shop is another is another option for you. Um, and I have three new Christmas designs. One is a picture of Carol Brady from the Brady Bunch's face, and there's a wreath around it, and it says a Christmas carol. <laughs> That's fun. Get that on a pillow. I mean, that or a mug or something. Then there's a a design that's sort of like it's black. So the background is black. So it might make a really cute t-shirt or even tote bag. And it says the most thunderful time of the year with little candy canes and snowmen and, and whatnot. And then um, there's a design that's blue and white and it's like a pine tree out in the forest with a menorah on top of it. And it says no fun like the holiday season. There you go. So um There we go. I was just making a note to myself if you heard me typing. So there you go. New holiday stuff for you. And you will also be donating to help healthcare workers get the PPE that they need because it's fucking crazy out there. And COVID is worse in this country than it was when it first came. Great. Can't even think about it. Going to have a nervous breakdown. Going to my happy place right now, which is reading listener emails. Sorry, I went on a jag about Twitter and how dumb people are. But you know what? I know a lot of comedians do that in their comedy specials, like Ricky Gervais and Dave Chappelle talk about Twitter in their comedy specials. I, I, this is just a free podcast. 
you know, I think this is the appropriate place to do it. But you don't want to, you don't want to be the only thing. So I had a uh, a topic that I threw out there a few weeks ago. I said, things that annoy you, but they're not really a big deal. If you guys have any of those, please send them to me. This comes from Patrick. Jen, the overuse of the word quarantine during COVID times. If you can leave the house and go to the grocery store, you're not in fucking quarantine. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. Hey, Jen, I feel like I'm too annoyed lately to even articulate what specifically annoys me. General lack of self-awareness and consideration for others is a big one. Working a job on an island that has just been inundated with tourists during a global pandemic where I have to be kind is making my insides scream. If you're traveling unnecessarily to a small community with limited resources and traipsing around like nothing's going on, you're a dick. Thanks, as always, for keeping it real and funny. That is from Michelle. Oof, I really relate to that. I have some friends traveling soon and I'm like, what are you doing? I can't even. Okay, Jen, at some point, I notice that I get really light sensitive the closer it gets to bedtime. I'm not sure when I figured it out, but I think it was in my late 30s, mid 40s, something like that. It was like a lifesaver when I discovered this because all I had to do was just remove most bright lamps in my house, replace them with nothing more than low-watt bulbs. Bulbs. (laughs) Sorry, I suddenly couldn't read. My mood improved, sleeping improved. I can taper off while reading and go to sleep after reading a little bit. So here's what annoys me. If I got a hotel somewhere where I just want to sleep and reaching across to turn on the bedside reading lamp, I'm blinded by a 250-watt bulb. Who does that? Who put 400-watt bulbs by the bedside? I hate it. I have a box, and I put a 40-watt bulb in it, and I take it with me to hotels sometimes. Also, I always either have a scarf, t-shirt, or bandana, just in case I have to cover the lampshade with something like that. It just takes the edge off. You know what's funny? As I was reading this, I was thinking, I don't even remember the last time I was in a hotel. I think it was... March, the last hotel I've been to was the Watergate Hotel. Great hotel, by the way, in Washington, D.C. And while I'm sure I have stayed in hotels with bright bedside table lamps, I feel like more often than not, I'm in places that somehow have some kind of dimmer. I don't even know, but I totally hear it. Or there's like this one rogue reading lamp thing over the bed. Because unless I am being put up somewhere like I was at the Watergate, I do stay at the same chain of hotels and they all kind of have the same thing. So, um, well, I can say it's a Kimpton. I mean, you're not going to, I'm not going anywhere, so you're not going to find me. But um, yeah, that would, that would make me crazy. A lot of times I don't have a TV in my bedroom on purpose. So a lot of times in hotels, I will keep the TV on. I'll set the timer for an hour to shut off and I'll read by that light. I don't even rem- I don't even have a memory of being in a hotel and hotels used to be my favorite thing. Oh man, I've really really suppressed this the grief I have about the pandemic. I'm I'm not trying to suppress it. I'm not unhealthily suppressing it. 
I've just, I'm not dwelling on what I miss because I can't. But I do sometimes think about things I used to do, even if it's just go out and be around friends and just, oh, I wonder what will happen next. What new friends will I meet? What new adventures will I have? What what wine bar will I walk into at this hour in Amsterdam as I'm traipsing around? And I smile about it as though I'm an old lady who's already lived her life and knows that she won't be doing that anymore, but she's happy because she did it. You know, I don't think she's terminal, this old lady, but she's she's done. And that's kind of how I feel. And I hope that's not true. And I don't think it is. And I can't wait. I can't wait. I feel like, I feel like George, not McFly, George Bailey. Let me get back, Clarence. Let me get back. I'll never complain again. I mean, I'll, I'll never stop complaining. But I'll, I'll, I'll never, I don't know. Well, you know what? I never used to complain about traveling that much anyway, except the small talk. But I was, I didn't mind planes and airports and hotels and stuff. So, so, but there were a lot of times I said no to social things because I was like, I'm just, I want to be home. And now I'm like, get me back out there. My lips bleeding. Um, so yeah, I, I, I can't wait. But part of me has just compartmentalized it to where it's like, if I think about it too much, it will, it's not that I'm afraid to feel the feelings. I just don't, I have enough stress as it is and enough feelings as it is around this pandemic. I don't want to sit and think about how I just feel a little, you know, depressed, like actually slowed down and not in the good way. I, I enjoyed the slowing down in a good way that I got to do, but I mean the, you know, I'm just a little, a little heavier, a little just unmotivated, a little like, mm, mm, you know, I've gone from being Tigger to being Eeyore and I can't wait to get back to being bouncier. Anyway. Uh, also, so this woman keeps talking. She's a librarian. Uh, I want to thank you for your podcast. I really relate to most of the things that surface from your creative mind. You guys give me way too much credit. It always feels like a friend of some kind, COVID style, ever since COVID sort of really started. I've saved up listening to your podcast as sort of some diversion thing I do in the doldrums of boredom or maybe even loneliness, I guess, really. Even though I do go into a building now three days a week, you're a fan. Well, thank you so much. And I always say that's what I want my podcast to be. It's not like ranting and raving and telling it like it is. I mean, I'm not trying to do that. If that happens, I guess if you like that, anybody that likes that, great. But I always say it's for doing the dishes too or driving over a really scary bridge. Those are the two things that just keep coming to mind as what? I don't know. I, I There's a few solo podcasts I like or interview podcasts and... um So this is another annoying thing. Jen, 
I just joined the Patreon last month, and my wife and I are digging all of the content. Thank you. We saw you at the North Door, R.A.P. Ugh. One of my favorite venues, the North Door. I taped my special. I'm going to die alone, and I feel fine there. Closed permanently. I mean, I've been playing there every year since 2014. Or since 2013, actually, I think. And meeting you after the show was a real treat. Thank you. As a person who now works exclusively from home, I've been trying to employ techniques and practices to maintain good mental health. One of these activities is taking my dog Ari on longer and longer walks daily. While I really enjoy the mental clarity from enjoying the trails with good music or a podcast, this joy is oftentimes interrupted by an influx of people who don't put their dogs on leashes. My dog gets really defensive when strange dogs run up to us, as as he should, or she, off-leash since she's been trained that leash time is for walking, not playing. People act like my dog is the asshole for getting defensive and treat me like a dick when I try to tell them to put their dogs on a leash. There are signs everywhere, I think he's trying to say. I lost the page. Is grandma printing again instead of just reading it? Yes, shut up. That's what happens, grandma. Even when you label the pages, they're going to print out of order because your printer is annoying. Here it is. Even though there are signs for dogs to be on leashes everywhere, but since I live in a predominantly white, affluent area, these signs obviously don't apply to them. I'm getting a little sick of these entitled white bros and their girlfriends acting like leash laws are just a suggestion for them. Thanks for letting me rant. Can't wait for the Christmas special. All the best, John. Well, John, let me tell you about white people. Uh, We, I will include myself, we do think that most things are suggestions to us. I have tried to really up my game with noticing areas I still do that in this year. But fucking A, the dog thing, I hate dog people, except for people like you, John, and a few other friends of mine that are that are rule followers. But the leash thing, it's like, I don't want your dog coming up around, especially people who don't want dogs. It's even crazier to me that someone watches their dog run up to me and they act like, isn't that fun for you? No, it's not. Same thing on Twitter. If you're like, I'm depressed. Someone's like, here's a picture of a puppy. That's not my thing. That's not what cheers me up. I want to see a tuxedo cat doing something that makes it seem human, like sitting at the table. I don't, I don't want a puppy. Not everyone loves puppies, but you can't say it. You can't say it. You can't say anything anymore. That's why <laughs> every male comedian that's a hack is like, why can't I say racial slurs anymore? And my thing is like, you know what? You've never been able to say that you're not a dog person. And I like when dog people hate what I hate about a lot of the dog people is this goddamn not following the rules. Anyway, thanks, John. And and again, I'm trying to talk to my fellow white people, but you know, I don't know who's fucking listening. Okay, let's see. Any other annoyances before I get into other topics? Hope you guys are enjoying the listener emails. Hey, by the way, John mentioned my Christmas show. That's right, the ninth annual Jen Kirkman Dysfunctional Christmas Show. You probably heard the ad at the beginning of the show. Let me just tell you that I am not doing any shows on Zoom in 2021, and I have not done any in 2020, like shows of my own. This is the one time you get to see me. I'm doing some funny comedy sketches with a couple of my old friends. Um, you might recognize and and other comedians. So there's sketches and there's stories and there's songs and it's fucked up and it's from my living room in front of my white Christmas tree. Oh my God, I put up my decorations already, not the tree. Don't even yell at me. I'll tell you about it in a minute. 
I'll tell you about it at the end of the episode. So anyway, Jen Kirkman is doing her ninth annual dysfunctional Christmas show. It is for haters and lovers of Christmas alike. What I love about this show is even though it is on a set date and time, Friday, December 4th at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern, is that if you buy a ticket for it right now, you have that show in your whatever available to you to download for 48 hours or watch 48 hours after Friday the 4th. So if you can't come Friday night, but you're like, I'm free Saturday at 3 p.m., wish it was then, it can be for you. So that's what I would love. Support me by buying a ticket. That will be a big income for me for the end of the year. Okay, great. I'm about to sneeze, but I will hold off. This is another annoyance that somebody has. This is from Steph. Jen, when people spell woe, W-H-O-A, W-O-A-H, it's woe, W-H-O-A. Two, this only applies to work. We are creatures of habit. Most normal people park in the same spot every day. Do not park in my fucking spot. After a zillion years in a row of parking there, how do you not know it's my spot? What is the matter with you? Three, addendum. Bad parkers, especially if it's so bad others can't park beside them, especially during Christmas. You did a shit job. You clearly see that. If you didn't see it, you need to start seeing it. Self-awareness, people. You live in civilization. And she spelled it out. <laughs> like C, period, I, period, V. Get back in the car and repark. No, you're not in too much of a hurry. You're deluding yourself. How about sparing me the anxiety of worrying about denting your car with my door? Four. People are so arrogant that they block two lanes of traffic during a green light trying to get to the left lane because they didn't make a plan. Make a fucking U-turn, you sloppy cunt. Oh, Steph, you know I love the word cunt. Five, Bible-thumping Christians who vote Trump. Well, I would say that one is not an annoyance that's not a big deal. We don't want Bible-thumping people in our government. We have separation of church and state. Rage on top of rage, Steph. Okay, this is a new listener who would like to tell me what they like about the show. Listen up, everybody. You remember when you used to love the show? You used to compliment me. Now you're all just used to me and, you know, I don't like this. I don't like that. Well, this is a someone who appreciates me. Um, I'm just kidding. Hello, Jen. I, too, am a child-free Gen Xer. And before I ever heard of you, I had the mindset about not wanting to have kids and that I could just barely take care of myself. I recently went back in time to listen some to some older podcasts. One thing I like about your podcasts is that you can open your ears and allow it in without being afraid that it's going to veer into a corrupt zone. What do I mean? Here's an analogy. You should not let YouTube just play on endlessly. There's gross material that wants to creep into their next up list. After a point, and it insinuates itself into the consciousness. If I see another video commercial from the effing Fulong Gong news channel pretending to be news, yikes, I don't even know what that is. Uh, you can't just let anything in these days. I like being able to drift off to sleep, even on an old Jen Kirkman podcast, because even if you put your own moral spin on things, it's basically clear you're a moral person. Hey, that's the best compliment I've ever had. It's basically clear that I'm a moral person. And that's all I've been trying to tell you guys. That period before sleep is especially a place where the gatekeeper in me is careful. I carefully choose what audio to listen to before bed. 
I mean, I mean this in a complimentary way, not the kind of way where people equate moral with judgy. I've always had a problem with letting just anything into my ears and eyes. Someone, a male friend, of course, recently asked me if I'd seen a Tarantino film recently. Ugh, why? Who can't? Like, well, it's a fun conversation starter. I was like, nope, probably not. Though I have seen some Tarantino films and some are okay. Mostly, there's just a real careful gatekeeping maneuver I do to not let gross stuff into my brain from the get-go. Oh, and here's an article I've been holding on to for many years, your fan, Jill. And then she uh, attached an article uh, about a woman who regretted motherhood, which I might read on, on the pod on another day, but I'm just sticking to the emails for now. I really relate to this, Jill, because I'm very sensitive about my before bedtime as well. And and this might also shout out to the woman that likes the lower level lighting. So once it gets dark, I sort of go into farmer time and I make sure that not too many lights are on. Although a lot of times I do writing at night. So I have to have some lamps on, but everything is just very low light and mostly candles. And then at bedtime, it just depends on, I can just tell when I need a little more bubble wrap around me and when I don't. And so there are some nights when I can actually listen to a political podcast um, if it's a host that I trust, right? And or read something that's nonfiction and and kind of dense and like could get upsetting. But mostly bedtime has to be spiritual stuff or quiet, you know, if I'm reading some kind of I don't know, like a spiritual type book, like a in the self-help vein, or um Listening to a podcast that's about nice things, you know, someone in Brene Brown interviews someone or whatever. But it has, yeah, it has to be something where if I fall asleep, that I I trust what's being said that I'm hearing in my subconscious, and then obviously I set my timer on my phone to, um, if I'm listening to a podcast turn it off after an hour. So there's only an hour of that. But a lot of times I'll go to sleep listening to binaural, binaural, binaural beats. But I know exactly what you mean. And I'm honored that you can trust that uh, things won't get weird. I might wake you if you're falling asleep right now. And I might in 10 minutes yell, why are everyone asking how my day is going so far? But I know what you mean. And I'm honored. I'm honored to be that that safe space for you. So this is from someone, Jen. I just wanted to say a sort of weird and random compliment about the company you keep. There are some other comedians out there who I thought I admired, but I'm starting not to admire as much because of the company they keep. I'm just starting to notice in podcasts or social media how they're allowing, particularly men, to treat them. It sort of disturbs me when they allow men to play weird little boy games with them and then they laugh about the behavior, which then in turn reinforces it. Instead of just realizing this is bad company and bad flirting and reinforcing violence towards women, or even when they just cede to men's opinions, even though they know the opinions are wrong. I mean, there's several bad apples. I mean, when there are several bad apples in your friend pod, it just seems like you're not picking the best pod or standing up for what you say you believe in when you continue to let men act like children and call that comedy. But you, Jen, are one of the few who, as I hear you on other podcasts and see you post about friends of yours from Chelsea or other places, you keep pretty good company 
And you don't just follow the boys club to become popular. And if you find your company is bad, you don't seem to be afraid to cut ties, which is just stellar in my book. So anyway, thanks, Jen, for never allowing punks to bully you into submission and going against the grain, even when it's sharp since 1974. <laughs> Megan. Oh, she has to put my birth year in there. Um, thanks, Megan. And this is something that I'm willing to discuss, you know, there's a few things going on in this email. And of course, you know, there's a few things I'd love to say, you know, um, but I won't because I'm not a total self-destructive idiot. And also it's just one of those things where I have opinions on some women in comedy and I'm not going to say them because again, I'm not insane. And it's not because I'm afraid to speak out because I have to keep up the Hollywood. No, you don't just go around saying shit and causing trouble that's only going to hurt me. I'm trying to make a fucking living here and starting some feud and there's a nuance to it that nobody gets. And it's just, it's not worth it, man, you know, but I mean, look who I'm friends with and interact with and look who I don't, you know, this is not fucking simple. I know who everyone is. They know who I am. And I have a lot of friends who aren't even in the business, you know, who aren't um, comedians per se. And those are my friends. And I have a lot of old friends from way back when. And I don't think that actually makes you any kind of good person or anything. But um, I have a lot of different kinds of friends. And I have a lot of non-famous friends in comedy. And I have a lot of, you know, I, it's interesting, like over the summer, I got close, closer to a few different people, because they're taking quarantine seriously. And my closest friends are not, or they're they're doing it differently than me for sure. So there's not a lot of things we can do together because they go out and do things. Um, they're not as amenable to a phone call or a Zoom hang. So I don't see them as often. And other friends have been more amenable to that or sitting outside at night with masks. And so it's interesting. I, I you know, you everyone I think goes through phases if they have a rather large social reach like I do because of being in this town and this business for so many years. Like you just collect a lot of friends. So you know, there's certain years where. And depending on who I'm working with or whatever, it, it varies who I get close with. But in general, um, there's a few things going on. You know, I don't want to excoriate every woman who's ever been on a podcast and felt like she had to giggle just to get through it. There's definitely been times when I can't name an example, but I'm sure there's been times when I just I just want to get the fuck out of there without a confrontation because I don't know how it's going to go. And I don't mean anyone's going to be violent, but I just don't feel like it and I'll get through it and then I will leave the situation and make a mental note never to do that person's podcast again or talk to them privately on air. I don't think everything has to be a public thing. I've had a lot of private discussions with guys off air, offline. A lot of times you don't want to say anything because this thing will go to air. And then that means once it airs, you get attacked by their fans mercilessly for weeks. And I don't always have the emotional bandwidth for that. So I don't blame women who have to use primitive tools to deal with that kind of thing. But there is also a type of woman who, um, you know, it's we don't always know what's in anybody's heart. And it could be easy for me to say these are bad women or bad people or stupid, but there's a type of woman, and I, it's a type of person, frankly, that can do pretty well in show business, even if they're not the most unique or talented person. They are obsessed and driven in a way that I don't comprehend. And it takes, you know, there's a level of sociopath, and I'm sorry to say it, that you have to be. 
And I'm not saying that everyone who's famous is a sociopath, and I'm not saying that everyone who isn't famous is super healthy. I'm just saying that there are some people who they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what men to hang out with and what exactly what men to copy from in order to get those men's fan bases. And those men's fan bases are the ones who pay money for podcasts, for comedy tickets, for whatever you're selling. And I don't blame anyone in a weird way who to fucking survive, even if you, you, know, you come from a family that hasn't any money. I, I don't blame the instinct to survive that way. I just don't think I could live with myself. But the reason that some people can is because there isn't a self to begin with. They don't know who they are. So it doesn't go against their morals because they don't have them. And I don't mean that as an insult. It's literally like saying, I want this empty thing to be full. And it's not. And it's not a judgment. It's just like, there are people co-opting feminism all over the place who are actually not walking the walk, you know? And is it good to even just have the word out there? Sure. But there is a lot of, oh, she's a female comic. She must be a feminist that gets, uh, you know, we give people qualities they don't have, right? I've been a feminist. I don't know where it came from since I was a child. I have been outspoken and fearless at times to the point of maybe something's wrong with me. I've asked my therapist about this. <laughs> Is it self-destruction? Am I just a little warrior? I don't know. But I remember as far back as being, again, I've told this story uh, in fifth grade. Doug Flutie was the, I don't know, he was. he ended up being on the New England Patriots, I think. But he was playing college football at the time and he was this big hot new football star and he was going to come to our school and inspire all of us. And I said, well, why is, you know, not that girls can't like football or can't play football, but I said, why am I supposed to find that inspiring? I don't like football. And is there going to be a counterpoint to him coming to speak to people, like maybe someone who's artsy? I mean, why is sports the only thing, a male playing sports the only thing? And the teacher was like, and I didn't know where this was coming from. I just had the question. And I went home and I told my family, and I remember my dad saying, you know, football players have to take ballet just like you do. I didn't know that. So I mentioned it in class and everyone yelled at me and the boys laughed at me and the teacher, of course, took their side and on and on. And uh, I said, I'm going to ask Doug Flutie straight up. And he said, yeah, we do employ a lot of ballet technique because we got to get that fancy footwork. And I was like, boom, motherfuckers told y'all, you know. And I remember him complimenting me after and being like, hey, you got spunk, kid, you know, and I did stuff like that throughout my whole life. I was a riot girl in the 90s. I dated men, of course, but I also hated men. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I, I hated the the um, I hated the general uh, I liked who I liked. And if, if the man was um, caught up in man bullshit, then then I wasn't interested. You know, I didn't care in general if men thought I was pretty, if walking down the street, I looked good. In fact, I tried to piss men off by almost shaving my head and and wearing those kind of riot girl clothes or the big baggy Nirvana thing. I never tried to please men. Now, individually, one at a time, if you were my boyfriend, of course, I would like you to like me and be attracted to me. That's not what I'm talking about. But there are other women that just never operated that way. And their first foray into sexism was being in comedy. And they don't have a, a history of actually, you know, and maybe they're learning. I don't know. But I do know a lot of people... Um, 
you know, we can't say, oh my God, they were going against their values just to get ahead. It's like they didn't have the values in the first place. So, you know, and it, and it's not their fault per se that anyone assumed they were feminists um, just because they were in comedy. And I think there's a certain type of person that will keep changing with the wind. If the trend is feminism, if the trend is anti-feminism, they'll just do it. And you know what? People aren't sitting there like me and my friends talk about it. Like We'll shit talk a ton of people and be like, why doesn't anyone realize she's such a fucking fraud, you know, or he or whatever. But that's just how it goes, man. That's just how it goes in this business. Like, you know, 50% of the people that get really big, you're just like, God, they're a fraud on every level. Like the material is bullshit, the blah. And then 50% are the quiet, awesome people that get through and they're brilliant. And then there's someone like me who's like, I'm pretty great for average, but I'm not going to like be hugely famous. And, um, and I found my niche and I found jobs and I'm happy and I'm working and, and whatever. But, um, but you know, I, I don't even want to take credit for the compliment you gave me because it's just come naturally to me. And I've definitely have people in my pod of friends or varying levels of people that I am just not that impressed by anymore. And I do kind of just phase people out and I've definitely cut ties or been like, I won't do this situation. Like I won't play comedy clubs anymore. Um, because I, I, I mean, I hope I'm serious about that, but I believe that I am. I just don't want to be part of things that employ rapists. I mean, uh, call me crazy. Anyway, so thanks for that. Um, it's a difficult email to respond to. If, if if you and I were out in real life and we were friends having drinks, I'd, I'd tell you more, but you get the idea. You know, it's it's not like we should go around excoriating these women. It's just that they're they're not like, you got to look at them as like robots almost, you know, they've built a self and it's not really based on anything real because, you know, a lot of people had fucked up lives and they kind of became shells of people. <laughs> I don't know. This is probably saying too much. Okay. Um, what else is going on in the emails? Dear Jen. I've listened to every single episode. My favorite still being New York, New York, episode three. Wow. Back from seven years ago. If I ever recommend the podcast, I always send that episode first. I'll have to go back and listen. Actually, I don't want to go back and listen. I was really happy during that time. <laughs> I don't want to revisit it. I hope you'll like this story. When I was a teen in my small hometown of Imperial Valley in the desert near the Mexican border, I had no idea that I could have a life of a performer. There are no examples of pe there was no examples of people I could look to to even give me an inkling that I could be a dancer or a creative and make a living out of it. That was until I met Randy Carson. Randy was a local theater director and essentially the only other gay man I knew in my hometown, which was a true godsend. He became a friend and mentor to me, taking me to the theater, pushing me to apply for dance scholarships, and properly took an interest in me as an artist. And for the first time ever, I felt seen. During my later high school years, I became really into scavenging local thrift stores for used and vintage clothes and became obsessed with oversized cardigans, massive scarves, and turquoise jewelry, which is only slightly cringy when I look back on it. I mean, I looked like a cross between a retired pottery teacher and Mary-Kate Olsen, which was ultimately the vibe I was going for. <laughs> I 
gonna love this guy. Anyways, Randy, the teacher, knew this and bought me as a birthday gift a sterling silver ring with eight turquoise stones in it, one big one in the middle and seven surrounding it. It was perfect and I loved it. Randy was also an ill man for most of his life. He was part of the group of children with cancer that they first trialed chemotherapy on. He was the only one of that original group to have survived. As I left for university, he got sick again. I hadn't seen him for a few months, but when I came home for Christmas to visit my family, I visited him at his mother's house and gave him a hug, not realizing it would be the last time I'd see him. Randy died a few weeks later. After Randy died, the ring he gave to me became a treasure that I was really thankful for. It was one of the most thoughtful gifts I had ever received, and it made me feel close to him now that he had passed. But occasionally, I would wake up and realize that a stone would go missing. I would turn my bedroom upside down, lifting my sheets, moving the bed frame, scouring the floors for these small turquoise stones. They'd literally just disappear. One by one, they would go missing overnight. But I also started to notice that whenever I'd have a really bad day, was feeling low or was going through some sort of crisis, I'd go to sleep with those worries, wake up feeling better, but with a stone missing. It was like Randy, who practiced metaphysics and was quite a spiritual person, was communicating to me via this ring and maybe even taking some of my worries away. After the last stone went missing, I continued to wear the ring for years. I've since stopped wearing it, but it was painful replacing it. I felt I was almost betraying Randy and his memory by not wearing it anymore, but it's not the ring that made me feel close to him. It's the memories I have of him that I'm able to access whenever I please. I live my life as a tribute to him. I'm a performer and dance artist that lives in London with my husband. I have a podcast where I talk with queer artists about their creative process very similar to the conversations Randy and I used to have. I'm happy, in parentheses, despite everything. <laughs> Hope you're well. Lots of love, Adrienne. That is a gorgeous email. And, you know, I'm wondering if by the time the last stone was gone, if Randy was like, and now you no longer need this symbol. You know, I am fully there in spirit. Like, I think it's a beautiful thing. Um I love this letter. Thank you so much. And and what a what a gentleman not um plugging his podcast. Not that he couldn't have. So I don't know what your podcast is, but I would have plugged it had you said the name of it. Um Well, you know, as a da- one dancer to the other, I appreciate you and I love that and lots of love to you and and your husband. And I don't know if you lived in London the last time I performed there, but I do go to London once a year to perform. I don't think it's going to happen anymore, but we'll see. Jen. All right. This is crazy. The hot coffee saga continues. I thought I had given up on some kind of actual thing that keeps your coffee warm. We'd gotten away from that original request, which I asked months ago. And people were like, what about this kind of mug? What about a ceramic mug? And then I was like, wait a minute, I've got a carafe that keeps things hot. I'll just use that. And it's been working quite well. And then I also got a new coffee pot, like a coffee maker, because mine broke. And you could get a glass pot or a metal carafe kind of pot. So I have now both. 
Anyway, this is from Michelle. Jen, I just discovered your podcast and I really enjoy it. I especially like your rants and stories about things like lesser known female heroes like the teenage Nazi hunter. I'm writing about your cold coffee conundrum. Have you heard of the ember heated mug? You control the temperature with an app on your smartphone. What? Oh my God, grandma can't comprehend the technology. So once you determine your optimal temperature and enter that setting into the app, the mug will keep the coffee at that temperature. I know you like a cute mug, and I think that you will find one to your liking. I did look at them. They're not cute enough for me, but it doesn't mean I won't get one. They sell them with different finishes. Also, I'm betting if you discuss it on the podcast, you might get a discount or a freebie. So true. I look forward to listening to many, many more I Seem Fun podcasts in the year to come. Oh, she still thinks it's called I Seem Fun. Oh, girl. (laughs) Oh, no, she's, I don't even know what she, no fun. Who cares? It's called everything. Be well and stay healthy. You too, Michelle. I looked it up. First of all, it just is like crazy McTazy that um, there's something you can control on an app with your iPhone. I'm a little afraid of it. I don't know why. I just don't know if I'm ready for that. But I'm, they're like 300 bucks. So I think, Michelle, I might take your advice and just keep talking about it on the podcast. Or maybe I'll tweet, hey, if, if this company wants to send me a thing, I always talk about it on my podcast. I'll talk about it on my podcast if you send me one. I think I might just whore myself out that way if y'all don't mind. If y'all are embarrassed for me. Um, oh, okay, so this goes back to when I was complaining two weeks ago about when people are basic about a big wine glass, about how I, if I'm drinking wine, love to pour just a little bit of red into a big glass. And whenever people see that, they think it means I filled it up all the way to the top. And why is the glass so big? And I'm like, because you got to aerate it. Anyway, so Jen, you hit my sweet spot with this episode. First, wine glasses. I've been selling wine on the distribution and importing side of the industry, selling to restaurants and retailers for the same company since 2007. So I know a thing or two about wine service. You are so right. My three favorite words, my four favorite words (laughs) about the importance of wine glasses and the need to aerate. My closest friends are the loveliest, but they have the shittiest taste in stemware. One uses that thick, Mexican blown glass pretty, but utterly irritating when it comes to tasting wine. The thickness of the rim makes it impossible to taste. And don't get me started on the stem. Way too thick and clumsy. Yeah, those are good for margaritas, but we don't know. Yuck. I've taken to bringing my own stemware to their home. Of course, haven't seen either one since pre-COVID, but hopefully when we are able to socialize, I'll continue the practice. They're totally cool with it. I didn't bring the stemware out of the blue. Oh no. I informed them of my annoyance with the glasses they use. That's how close we all are. Get yourself some friends that you can complain about their shitty stemware to everybody. That's your New Year's resolution. And they just tolerate my mania. I'm glad that you have found glassware you're happy with. Well, that is the sweetest thing anyone has ever said to me. Thank you. Then he goes on, Nexium. Oh man. This is way too long a story, but shortest I can make this is the following. Oh, so this is the same person emailing me from, they went from wine glass to Nexium. 
One of my oldest and dearest friends tried for years to recruit me to join a self-improvement group populated by highly motivated, successful people. My friend has a Harvard MBA and runs her own company. She has always been evasive when I tried to extract info from her, like the cost for the first course that she told me I needed to take, what the name of the company was. I can't tell you that. Once you're in, then I can tell you more. <laughs> she tried for years to the point of offering to pay for the first course, inviting me to stay with her and her family while I took the course. She up and moved her family, husband, two small children, from Brooklyn to Albany. Whenever I asked her why they suddenly moved, she never came clean. Forward to November 2017, I finally told her to stop with this. I am not a joiner by nature, and I was increasingly perturbed by her insistence, and it caused a complete rupture in our relationship. So again, fast forward to August 2020, and I'm watching The Vow, and who appears in one of the videos that Mark Vicente took? My friend! Then her husband appeared in a subsequent video. Suddenly, all of her trips to Mexico and Vancouver are explained. Also, back when we were in touch, she was telling me an, um, that her husband would leave for weeks to attend intensives. She brought her sister, mother, mother-in-law into it too. So yesterday, she texted me for the first time since 2017. Same friend. She's texting up a storm, asking me how I am. I'm hoping she's out and on the other side. But after some online research I've been doing, turns out she got pretty high up in the organization and employs someone who recently wrote a letter of support for Keith Ranieri. I apologize for the lengthy email, but my mind was being blown while driving this morning, and I just wanted to let you know that this episode was not boring. Oh, it's a woman, Elena. Thank you, Elena. I always say that about every episode. Like, this one's so boring. I think the point is, can't, you want, let's have a little boring. I'm just having a conversation with you. Anyway, everyone, wherever you listen to this podcast, please subscribe to it. It helps make it more popular. And then that way I can have ad sales on my podcast. And that is a great way to support me. If you're not able to join the Patreon, it's a free way to support me. Um, they check by amount of subscribers. So please subscribe. And wherever you listen to the podcast, if there's an ability to give it five stars or the most stars ever, please do that. Even if you don't mean it, just tell one line your goddamn life. You don't have to be such a girl or boy scout all the time, do ya? Of course, feel free to write a review. I like it when the reviews are random. That can be fun if you don't feel like writing something heartfelt. Um, if you want to write a review this week, you can write I also stopped being friends with people because of their wine glasses, something like that. Um, again, follow me on all the social media at Jen Kirkman on Twitter. I am also at Jen Kirkman on Instagram. And if you want to follow the podcast, and why wouldn't you? Please do, actually. I'd love to get those numbers up at Jen Kirkman Pod on Twitter and at Jen Kirkman Podcast on Instagram. And, uh, I think that's it. Yeah, get those uh, Christmas things. Get it. Get get your Christmas merch. Get a ticket to my Christmas show on location live. Oh, I never gave you how to do it. On locationlive.com slash Jen Kirkman, or you can go to jenkirkman.com and click tour. Now, I think I told you guys I put up my Christmas decorations. So this is what happened. So I got all my little bins out and I was like, okay, let me just see what I have in here. And, uh, It was almost like a dress rehearsal. I know that's embarrassing. 
And so I was looking through all my stuff and I went, okay, I'll put that here, that here. I got rid of some stuff. And then I went, oh, why didn't I just fucking put it out? Because I'm back uh, writing part-time on a show and it can be this like, oh my God, suddenly we're, you have an assignment and then there's just a, other things going on and my schedule sometimes random. And I thought, well, it's a Sunday afternoon. I know it's the week before Halloween. This is a little weird, but I, I put up most of the decorations, but it's very tasteful. When you walk in my place, it's not like it used to be in, in years past where you go, whoa, Christmas. You walk in, you go, is oh, it's a little decorative for Christmas. And you look over here, oh, that table has, oh, okay. And so a lot of my stuff too is contingent on lights. A lot of my stuff is LED lights. I turn it on via remote. That thing lights up, that thing lights up. So it's all set to go with new batteries, but I have not turned on any lights yet. So nothing will get lit up until it's more like mid-November. I did not put the tree up yet. That will be more mid-November, but the winterscape is here, people, Okay. It was just, it's more of an interior design thing. If it's as simple as your decorations mean you take them out, you put them up, I can see where you're like, I don't, why are you doing that so soon? But it, to me, it's it's not that. It's a it's like a fall cleaning. I get rid of things. It takes eight, nine hours. I put stuff up and then I'm like, okay, this is now. It's It's more, it's like a, I don't know. I keep saying it's an interior design thing. Why do I have to be so pretentious about everything? Oh, you love me anyway and you know it. So- I was eating candy corn, putting up Christmas decorations. <laughs> and that's what I did. Oh, God, I wonder what's going on. I wonder who won the election. Ah, well, you know and I don't. So anyway, um, thanks for listening to this podcast. I, I try to give a podcast that I might like to listen to and hope that other people feel the same way. Please keep writing me emails about anything, anything um, – try to keep them short. Um, I, I do get some ones, I'm going to be totally honest, from people that seem um, just really disturbed and upset about some things. And I'm not sure that I want to read them on air. Uh, not, not not upset or disturbed at me, but just, you know, I, I would say, you know, air on the side of some good boundaries and and not like, you know, really upsetting life stories. But, uh, you know, if you want to weigh in on any of the topics we've talked about, I think uh, share your opinions. And, uh, yeah, don't be shy. I seem fun at gmail.com. I don't usually write back to your emails, but I will either read them on air or just not. So there you go. Every once in a while, I'll write back. I'm going to read this on air. Oh, my God, I can't believe it or something. But I think that's it. I'm just trying to find an ending here, and I guess... Guess I'll just say until next week, have fun. <laughs> <laughs>